Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. It's a good day to celebrate and to be in God's house. As we kicked off this series last week, you know, I had mentioned I have not done a series on generosity or giving uh, for six years. And so if you're a guest this morning, I just want to lean into this is, this is not, the, say, a nor- normal pattern, but, but we do have to unpack the Word of God in its full context. And so in week one, we talked about, man, what's the heart of the matter? Right? And, our, and our goal is that we would take an opportunity for God to allow us to search us. In week two, we're going to be looking at how does God want to shape us? And then next week when we finish this series, we're going to be looking at how does God want to stretch us? How does he want to use us to help build the kingdom of God? And so in all three weeks, we're just going to take some time. We're going to unpack scriptures and we're going to say, how does our generosity uh, help build up those around us? How does it, our generosity help impact our lives? And then how does generosity spread the gospel all over the world? And this morning, to get you an idea of where we're going, turn your attention to the screen with me for just a moment. On the St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellows on the St. Louis team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Do you know the fellows' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean, the fellow's name on first base. Who? The fellow playing first base for St. Louis. Who? The guy on first base. Who is on first? Well, what are you asking me for? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first base. Who is on first? Have you got a first baseman on first? Certainly. Then who's playing first? Absolutely. And for those of you in the front row and maybe a few others, that is called black and white television. That's how we used to watch it before color TVs, all right? And uh, so today the theme is who's on first? Who's on first? And when I say who's on first, who has the position of first within your heart, right? Who's on first? In the Bible, I mentioned this last week, there are over 500 verses on prayer. There's less than 500 verses on faith, but there are more than 2,000 verses that deal with money or possessions. Jesus himself, and he he told a lot of stories, and so he shared stories called parables. In those parables, there's 38 of them, and 16 out of the 38 parables, there was some type of reference to money and or possessions. And so today, my heart is not to make you feel guilty. It is not for condemnation. It's not so you, you will live in shame. My heart is to be able to show you in the Word of God some scriptures and some principles that have the potential to impact your life, and not just impact your life, but to be able to show you how you can have favor and blessing in your life. You see, generosity is not a money issue. It's a discipleship issue. Generosity is not just a money issue, it's a discipleship issue. God's word is not meant to be a buffet for a picky person. What do I mean by that? So I used to be extremely picky and I would only eat certain things. And so if you took me to, back in my day, we'd go to Ponda Grossa. So if I went to Ponda Grossa in my day, I would only pick the things that I liked and I wouldn't eat the things that I didn't like. Well, you, God's word is not a buffet. You can't go, you know what? It's the love month. It's Valentine's Day is on Wednesday. That's your reminder. Get a card, get some flowers. All right, helping y'all marriages out this morning, all right? And so you can't go, you know what? All we're gonna do is I only wanna talk about God's love. 
So I'm gonna go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and I'm gonna be like, yep, God is so patient with me because God is love and he's patient and he's love and he's kind and, he, and, he, and he, he, his memory, when I ask for forgiveness, he forgets like it's so good and he doesn't hold the past against me. And only thing I wanna do is focus on the love verses in the scripture. I don't wanna hear anything else. Well, we can't do that. We gotta take God's word from beginning to end, from Genesis to the first book in the Bible to Revelation, the last book in the Bible and take it all in its context and say, God, what is it that you have for me? Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse seven. It says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What does that mean? That means no one is forced to give, but we all have a chance to give, right? We're not forcing, but we all have a chance. And so this morning, we're gonna look at, we're gonna look at this heart of generosity from three different angles. Because sometimes what we hear is, you know, when we talk about, when you talk about giving, you talk about generosity, that would, that would be something that is only in the law. Well, we're gonna look at it from three different angles. So we're gonna go before the law. So before the book of Leviticus, what did God have to say about generosity in, in, in context of like Genesis and Exodus? Then what did he say? The second angle we'll look at is what did he say via the law? Now we're not under the law anymore, but what did he, what was the expectations for the children of Israel? And then we're gonna look at what did Jesus have to say after the law? because he comes with grace and then are we, do we still have to be generous? And so I know that some watching online and some maybe in the room and you're like, Pastor Lance, I'm, I find myself in a very um, tight situation financially. And, and I understand this. Did you know that the research shows us that two thirds of America lives paycheck to paycheck? That, that about 60% of the people who make over $100,000 a year live paycheck to paycheck. And I just want you to lean in for a moment to this concept. If we want our father to fix something, we have to be willing to put it into his hands, right? So I got three girls and when they were little, they, they, they believed I could fix everything, even though I couldn't fix everything. Uh, unless I had a roll of duct tape, then I could fix every Barbie and every Barbie toy and we could make that thing work, right? The Corvette door fell off, let's fix this. Um, and they would bring me their toys. But if they were to say, dad, I, I, I need you to fix this, but never give it to me, I couldn't make it happen. Well, it's the same when it comes to with the things with our father in heaven. If we want him to fix it, then we have to relinquish control and say, God, I'm putting this into your hands. And that's the same with our finances. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter six. We're gonna look at a lot of scripture. If, you, if you're using the uh, Radiant Life Church app and you go to notes, you're gonna see there's probably 10, 12, 13 verses that we're gonna be looking at today. Because again, I'm not, sharing, I'm not sharing my thoughts. I'm sharing God's word. And so Matthew chapter six, verses 20 through 21, here's what it says. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin, don't you love the word of God? Like where else can you go and you find the word vermin? Like vermin, okay. Where vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the scripture is telling us where our treasure is, that's where we're gonna find our heart. So our money follows our heart. Last week I mentioned that money reveals our heart. And so you're seeing that in the context of scripture. Wherever your treasure is, that where your heart is going to be. So your money, our finances tell us who's on first. So let's first look in the Old Testament uh, in where God was giving a standard for his children, some principles to live by. If you have your Bibles, look at the book of Exodus chapter 13, verses 12 through 13. And you're gonna be like, what does this have to do with generosity? We'll get there. It says that you shall set apart to the Lord all, all, right? All that open in the womb. So you're like, 
That has nothing to do with money. Where are you going? The scripture says that is every firstborn that comes from an animal, which you have. The male shall be the Lord's, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck and all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. Well, in biblical times, the livestock, I mean, that was, that, that's their life. This is their, this is their career. This is what they're doing to raise money. And they would barter with spices. They would barter with livestock. They would barter with crops. So they would, they would plant and they would harvest and they would be able to make trades. And so, so God is saying, listen, your firstborn, whatever it is, your, your livestock, this is your tithe. This is your generosity. This is a 10th of what you're giving. For us, we receive a paycheck. So we have a numerical amount. And so it's easy for us to say, oh, a tithe, a 10th, a 10% of that it totally makes sense. What the scripture is, is, is not wanting for us to do is go, oh, this is so legalistic. Like this is not what we're held under. It's, it's about first. It's about the condition of your heart. Here's what it means in practical sense. You give to God what is first, not what is left. That's what this scripture is telling us. We give to God what is first and not what is left. When we give to God first, he's able to bless the rest. If you could just grab anything from today, you're like, man, I walked in. This is my second time. Last week you talked about money and then you're talking about money. The series ends next week, all right? And then we're gonna jump into a very amazing sermon series called Welcome Home that we want you to be a part of, all right? But, but, but hear me on this. If you don't hear anything else, understand this. God gave first. God gave first. He's not asking anything from you that he didn't already do himself. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, we're a part of the world, which means he loves us, that he gave his one and only. One and only. He didn't have 10 sons and select one. He had one son and said, son, I'm gonna need you to do me a favor. Humanity, earth, all of humanity is lost. There is a gap, there is a chasm and they cannot get to me, the father who is holy and righteous. So I'm gonna need you to make a way. And so I'm gonna send you. You're gonna leave the glory, the throne room of heaven and you're gonna be born a baby in a manger and you're gonna grow up. And at the age of 33, you're gonna give your life on a cross and it's gonna be a brutal death. But understand son, it's because I love them. It's because I'm giving my very best so they can experience life and life to the fullest. So that one day their name could be written in the Lamb's book of life, that they would, they would have a hope for eternity. And so he's not asking us to do something he hasn't given himself. He gave his very best. He gave his first and his only. Even this morning, by you being here, do you know you're giving your first? Do you understand that, that Monday is not really the first day of week? Sunday's the first day of the week? So what you're doing every Sunday by saying, I'm gonna show up to church, you're saying, God, I'm giving you first. It's the first day. I'm putting you first. The spot that you hold in my life is first. And so I'm gonna come and I'm gonna worship but how many know there's a battle always in the beginning? The battle's always in the beginning. You ever, you ever try to diet in the first week? It's like torture. Because the battle is in the beginning. You want to start exercising and you go to, and after, let's say you haven't been to the gym and say, I don't know, 15 years. And you walk in, right? And, and while you, the next three days, you can't move. You're like, I didn't know I had these muscles. Help me, Lord, right? Everything hurts. Why? Because the battle's in the beginning. You start a new job and you're like the training process. Oh, it's smooth and easy. And by three days, you're like, I can't do this. But then next thing you know, you're there three years and you're like, I don't know what my problem was the first week. Why? Because the battle is in the beginning. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. This is a promise with a condition. Do you see it? 
If you do this, God will do that, right? So you honor God with your wealth, you give first fruits, and then, right, there's that word, it's combining, right? It's conjunctive. Then your barns, if you do this, God will do this. If you give, God's going to bless you. We see, we see throughout scripture, God having these promises and he's blessing us. You wanna talk about being first. I, I never realized this before, but in the book of Genesis, right? It's very on in, early on in creation. You have, you have Adam and Eve and they had sons, Cain and Abel. And, and here's what it says is in Genesis chapter four, verse three through five. It says, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering, the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought up the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. So this morning, we're gonna give you a little bit of illustration. So I got some friends helping me and setting some things up behind me. But, but do you see on the scripture what it's saying? So, so God's like, oh, your offering I respect, but yours I don't. I, I've never noticed this in scripture, but do you see? It says, and in the process of time, Cain brought. But what does it say about Abel's? Abel's was their firstborn. So the first, the very best, I'm gonna trust you, Lord. God's like, I got that. But over the process of time, hey, Lord, here's what I have left. And so I'm going to give you that. So what do we see? For 2,500 years before the law, this principle was being followed. Let me, let me show you what it looks like here this morning. Oh, come on somebody, right? Who doesn't like a good pineapple? Let's see. It even smells like pineapple, yes. It's like a scratch and sniff. Let's see if it works. No, but so we, we, got, we got a pineapple here. And so God's like, yep, I got your first. And so we're gonna make sure we give it to God. A bag of apples, straight out of Fiji, right? We got apples this morning. And so God, we're taking the first and we're gonna give it to you. And so we set it out before the Lord. We got some mandarin oranges. We got some carrots. We're going fruit and then veggies first today, all right? So what do we do? We're saying, God, we have 10. You're asking for one. And so we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna place those here. We're gonna mix it up and go fruit and veggie, all right? Got some bananas, got ourselves a nice English cucumber. And so God, you've given us, you've blessed us. And so we're gonna to give to you first fruits. It's the first of all of them. Oh, come on, my favorite. I don't know if you know it. I'm a meat and potatoes guy. I, you, any way you cook a potato, I'm gonna eat it. So this is my favorite. But even though it's my favorite, God's given me 10 bags. So what am I gonna do? Here you go, Lord, I'm gonna give you one. And we have peppers and we got a lemon. So God, you've blessed us with 10 peppers and 10 lemons. And so what are we gonna do? First fruits, first fruits. God, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give them to you. And so God has given us vegetables. And he's, someone asked me after the first service, I thought you were gonna take those for your Super Bowl party. And I was like, vegan only, here we go, right? And so, so we have the first fruits. God has blessed us. And so we're saying, God, we're gonna honor you right here. Does anybody see a difference between the two tables? What these tables show us is who or what is on first, who or what is the priority in our lives. But sometimes it's what we do. God, thank you. I appreciate your blessings and what you're doing in my life. Um, but. I don't know if you realize it or not, but it's the first of the year. Finances are a little tight. We're paying off that Christmas debt. And so it would be great to give you the first, but I need more than you need. And so we, we, we stack the table and God's like, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to give of what's left. I want you to give what's first. And so what do we got to make sure we're doing? We got to make sure that we're going, okay, God, you've blessed us. I want to make sure I'm honoring you. And so I'm going to give you first fruits. God's saying, 
You get to give. We have an opportunity to give. We have an opportunity. And God is saying, and I've blessed you. And look what you get to keep. Because ultimately we have to understand something. This is, this is not about ownership. It's about stewardship. That's what it's about this morning. It's what value does this have in our lives? And what does it say if we give something last? Right, what does it say when you get picked last for re at recess, for dodgeball? What does that mean? Oh, not very good. And so we don't, we don't want to give God something that's last, something that's left over. We want to give him first in Malachi chapter three, verses eight and nine. Some of you knew that I'd be sharing this verse and you're like, I knew it. I just knew you were going to say it. It says, will, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how, have we, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and there may be food in the house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour it out so much blessing that there will not be enough room for you to store it. See if I won't pour out. These are the same size tables. This is not, a, I'm, I'm not David Copperfield up here trying to pull one over on you. These are both six foot tables. See if, test me and see if I won't pour on blessings so much that it will be overflowing, that it will always be full. Several spots in scripture we see where God gave first and he, and he blesses the rest. Understand when it, in this context, when, when he's saying, bring it to the storehouse, the storehouse is the church because he wants to use the church to reach the world. Now understand, it's why we give the missions. In a couple of weeks, we'll do our missions conference. We support over 50 missionaries or missionary agencies that we give so that they can spread the gospel, meet practical needs here in the States and all over the world. We're spread, there, are, there are missionaries we support that we can't show their picture or even tell you what country they're in because they are in countries that it is illegal to share the name of Jesus. They will be beheaded, they will be murdered, and yet they go. And we support them. And, and, and so they meet and they're developing relationships and they're spreading the gospel. It's why we, we, we took up a special missions project offering for last year. And our heart was $25,000 that we could build one birthing center in Tanzania. And we gave so much because your crazy generosity that we built three birthing centers, right? That, that children, one out of every three children in the country of Tanzania die because they do not have adequate facilities to deliver babies, right? When I was there in 2018, I told you, like the kitchen, the kitchen, like I went to this village and they're like, we're going to prepare you the best meal. They killed their best cow. I know it because I walked by it as they were carrying it to the kitchen. I was like, that's a head and legs. And that's a lot of blood. Their kitchen was outside in the dirt. They're washing dishes and putting them in the dirt. But they wanted to give their very best. And so, so what do we do? We give them missions and we give the very best so that the gospel could go forth. We plant churches. Did you know planting churches is, is one of the most effective ways of reaching people in the United States with the gospel? Here's, 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 I love data. It just is what it is. Did you know in 2019, we closed 4,500 churches in the country, in this country. In one year, we closed 4,500 churches and we only opened 3,000. How many know at this pace, we're closing a lot more than we're, than we're opening. It's about 83 churches a week. So for between this Sunday and next Sunday, we'll close 83 churches in the United States. It's about 13, 14 churches a day. Every day we'll close. And that number is only growing larger and larger. You can walk into most buildings and you can go, when was this building built? And I can guarantee you it's close somewhere between the year 1955 and the year 1965. That's when they were building churches like crazy. 
But since that point in time, what are we seeing? We're seeing churches decrease. We're seeing churches shrink. In America, the average church size in the last number of years has gone from 137 to 65. So every Sunday morning, the average church in attendance is about 65 people. That's it. Now, why am I sharing that with you? Why am I, why am I giving you that data? Because it's about reaching people. But how many know if you're going to plant churches, you need money. You can't just walk in any community and be like, all right, I think as a community leader, mayor, I think you should add me to your payroll. I think you should build us a building so we can have community impact. That's not going to happen. It would be awesome if it did, right? So mayor, if you're watching, help a brother out, right? Um, but, but here's the deal. We're going, if you haven't heard, we have, we're a church in two locations, but now we're a church in three locations, one church, three locations. So we're going to Orville. Love Orville, right? And, and we're, we know we're going to have an impact in that city. And some, some people are like, yeah, but God has already given you a building. Yes. Do you know when that building was built? Somewhere between 1955 and 1965. Do you know what that building has? Old parts. We've already spent thousands of dollars just trying to get the heat running. Did you know that we're going to launch that campus, soft launch now, but we're going to launch that campus September 15th of this year? Between now and September 15th, we will spend anywhere between $100,000 and $150,000 just in phase one to get the building up and ready. The painter just gave us a quote, $35,000. Hello, help me, Jesus. Right? Is there paint? And that was a good deal. And we got carpet. Here's what I love. I'm not going to stand up here and ask you for money to pay for all that. You want to know why? Because 12 years ago when Pastor Angel and I got here, and I'm just being vulnerable and honest, right? They had, the, the, this church had about $20,000 to its name. That was to cover all expenses. That was, that was savings account, checking account. That was all of it. And I was like, so we're like one month wrong. We're closing. Is that what I'm saying? They're like, it's bad. Over the last 12 years, we've been stewarding God's resources in your generosity that we don't have to go borrow money, nor am I asking you for money because we've already been saving it, knowing this day was coming. And so we'll pay cash for all of those renovations. So thank you for your generosity. And this, trust me, this is not a brag. I'm not, this is not a brag. This is humility. I'm saying thank you. Last year, we hired some part-time staff. We need, we need, a, we need a place for them to stay. And our heart beats for missions and they're missionaries that come home from other countries with nothing. So we bought a duplex, we renovated it and it's fully furnished for part-time staff and for missionaries. We paid cash. We paid cash because of your generosity. Because as it comes in, we're stewarding it well, stewarding it well so that way it has an opportunity to do what we want God to do with it, which is change the world. Let me ask you this question this morning. How many of you, by a show of hands, your life has been impacted and or changed somehow, some way via one of the ministries here at Radiant Life Church? Did you know that every month it costs us about $25,000 just to turn the lights on and the heat on? And I'm not sharing that to this, again, I'm not begging. What I'm saying is your life has the opportunity to be impacted because of generosity to be able to do and turn on the lights. And they're nothing fancy. They're just lights. It's heat, but it allows us to have this and to be able to come into his presence. So thank you for your generosity that's having impact. But as I said, it's about ownership and not stewardship. But today I'll be celebrating. I'll watch the football game. Yes, my team's not in it. It's okay. I'm gonna root for the other teams. That's not my team. How many know I ain't rooting for either team, right? Until it's the Browns, darn it. I don't care. But I need some money because we gotta go buy food and 
All I have in my pocket is some lint. So I need 50 bucks. Who wants to let me borrow 50 bucks? Anybody got 50 bucks on them? Julian, you got 50 bucks? Come on, buddy, let me see that. You got a 50? Does your mom know you got 50? I appreciate you, man. Thank you. My man Julian helped me out, gave me 50 bucks, gonna buy, buy me some lunch. Did you know that the offering is never given, it's always brought? You don't, you, don't, you don't take up an offering. Like, hey, we're gonna take up the offering. No, you're going to bring an offering. And, and here's why. Psalm 24, one, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So just park on that for a moment. Everything in this world is the Lord's. The earth is his and all who live in it, which means that everything that we own and everything that we possess belongs to him. Now, some of you are going, hold on a minute. You just took that young man's $50. His parents are like, in their purse, looking like, bro took my money. <laughs> what, if, what if I told you that right before service, I walked up to Julie and said, Julie, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to hold this $50. Because at some point in the sermon, I'm going to ask for that $50 back. It doesn't belong to you, but I want you to, I want you to hold it. Because that's exactly what happened. I said, hey, I just need you to hold this and I'm gonna ask for it. Because what I'm trying to, for, you to get, for you to understand is it's, it's about stewardship, not ownership. It didn't belong to him, but he was holding it until the time it was for me to ask for it back. God is saying, this is all mine and that's all mine, but at a time, what I'm gonna ask you to do is give this portion back. What he's saying is, you're going to give this portion back, but you get to keep this portion. And all of it still belongs to me. It all belongs to him. Our lives belong to him. For those of you who dedicate your, have dedicated your children, which in a few short months, we're going to do that. And so make sure you sign up. You want to be baptized in water. You want to become a member. You're like, after this money series, um, that's not happening. Do it, okay? So you're going to become a member. You're going you're to sign up to, to be baptized in water. And we also dedicate children at our engaged parties. I remember when I dedicated all three of my children to the Lord. I said, God, these children are yours. They're a gift. You thought enough of me and, well, I'll take that back. You thought enough of Pastor Angel and you knew she wouldn't let me ruin these kids that I'm going to give them back. They don't belong to me, they belong to you. And whatever your will is for their life, I'm going to steward them in a way according to your word. So it's stewardship versus ownership. We are to steward everything that belongs to him. And so when we tithe, we're giving back to God. We're returning what is already his. You see, generosity is not transactional. It's a response of the attitude of the heart. It's, it's, it's about worship. It's not transactional. Well, I just have to do this. No, it's saying, God, I'm gonna honor you and I'm gonna worship you. I just won't raise my hands. I'll open up my heart. But here's what happens is we... And I've been there and I'm guilty. So I'm not telling you something like, oh, it's, it's just always easy. I remember the first time I ever gave. Now understand, I was not raised in church like many of you. I, didn't, I never went to Sunday school class. I thought for sure that the entire offering went to the pastor. I happen to know that that is not truth, okay? I just want you to know. Personally, I know that is not true. And so I was like, no, I'm not giving. He didn't go to work. I mean, I was working in a warehouse. 40, 50, 60 hours a week, unloading containers, moving pallets like this. He didn't lift that. He didn't lift any of them boxes. 
So why am I going to give? But there was a fear. I'll go broke. I can't afford to. I don't, I don't trust the pastor. My gifts don't count. Did you know this morning I had a young man come up to me and he's like, Pastor Lance, I got eight bucks. He goes, how much is that? How much am I supposed to give? I said, 80 cents. He was online, it'll only, give me, it'll, let me give me, it'll only let me give a dollar. I said, I'll go to my office and get you 20 cents. And I, said, and I told him, I said, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. I want you to know that 80 cents is gonna change the world. It's gonna change the world. Because it's not equal gifts, it's equal sacrifice. He was giving of what he had. And I loved his heart for that. And that's what God is asking. Do we, do we have a heart? Are we, are we stewarding it well? I don't know about you, we could, we could try. We can try to say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my very best with my 100. Or we could say, God, I'm gonna trust you with the 90 and live off your blessing. Like 100% of you or 90% of what God can do. And I would rather trust God with the 90. So let me finish this sermon this way by looking at Jesus. We looked at before the law, we looked at the law. And now what does Jesus say? Matthew 23, 23. He's having a conversation with the religious people. He says, woe to you teachers of the law, the Pharisees, you're hypocrites. That was Jesus saying that. Jesus can say things that we can't say. You give a 10th of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And if you stop there, you would go, okay, so we don't have to give. Jesus is like, you're hypocrites, you give, but it's not, you should do these other things. But Jesus didn't stop there. This is what he said. He said, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. The New King James Version says, you ought to. You should have, you have ought to practice. He's saying, this is necessary. This is necessary. You give and you love. But all throughout the New Testament, you, when Jesus talks about giving, let me show you what grace does. Luke chapter three, if you have two shirts, give one away. Jesus went right to 50%. If you have two, give one away. That's 50%, right? In the book of Luke chapter eight, Zacchaeus, tax collector, he's having this relationship, this encounter with Jesus. And Zacchaeus is like, man, something's changing in my life and in my heart. And so, and he tells Jesus, I'm gonna give back half, half. Jesus never said, Zacchaeus, that's way too much. You don't have to, just, that's too much, don't do it. He didn't. He, he, he allowed Zacchaeus to give back that 50%. But here's what Jesus did say. He said, salvation has come to your house today, Zacchaeus. Why? Because it wasn't a money issue, it was a heart issue. Zacchaeus had to get his heart right. In Mark chapter 10, verse 21, there's a count of a, a rich young man. And he's like, I wanna follow you, Lord. I'm gonna do whatever. I've done all these good things. And Jesus is like, yeah, you've done it. And I appreciate that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to sell everything and give it to the poor. But Matthew, or Matthew Thomas, they don't have to do that. You, why, why, do I, you, why are you asking me to sell everything and give it to the poor? Because Jesus knew this man's heart and it was tied to his finances. He's not asking us to sell everything but he wants us to have a heart. And lastly, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus gives us the biblical account of the Good Samaritan. At the end of that account, he says, I will reimburse you any extra expense, any, you got there, if, whatever it costs. So what would Jesus say today? If he was here today, what would he tell us? I think he would give us these three things. Give on a regular basis. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse two, it says, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So give regularly. He would say, give above and beyond. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse, remember I told you, I'm, I'm gonna give you a ton of scripture. 
verses two through five, it says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up. So they, they're having a trial, they got tons of joy, they're having extreme poverty, but in the midst of that poverty, wells up rich generosity. It says, for I testify that I gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. And then he would say, as we've already read in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, give with a cheerful heart. So give regularly, give generous, and then give with a cheerful heart. And you say, but Pastor Lance, like, come on now, 10? Like, I understand it's a, what 10, but what does 10 really mean? And did you know that 10 is in biblical numbers is a number of testing? The 10 commandments, the 10 plagues, Jacob, right? When he's having this conversation, he's like arguing with wives and all of those things about wives and what's happening. It, 10 times he said, your father has tested my wages. You see, giving is a test of the heart. So back to the table. When we give and we pray, we're like, okay, God, I want you to use this to change the world. I want you to use my generosity, the the wealth that you've already blessed me with, I've brought it back to you. And so I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask you to to truly change the world through my generosity and the lives of others. And, And so God, but I'm also not neglecting and I want you to bless what's already yours because there may be a time where I can sacrifice because I see the needs and I wanna help meet some needs because I got so much. I mean, I don't need 10 bags of carrots. No, right? One is good, let's put the rest over there. I don't need 10 lemons unless you live in the Prepsky house and for whatever reason, you need lots of lemons to put in your water because you're bougie. Um, and so you give more and you're like, God, thank you for using me that I, I could help build a birthing center in Tanzania that one day when I stand in heaven, I'm gonna be surrounded by people who don't look like me, who don't speak like me, but their names are gonna be written in the same book my name's written in. And they're gonna say, thank you. Thank you for your generosity because that missionary who came from America, that birthing center gave me a shot at life. And so you know what you did? You did this. And so we're generous because God has been generous with us. And so here's the challenge. He's saying, will you steward it well? Matthew 6, 33, I'll end with this. says, but seek first. Who's on first? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And so you seek him by coming on the first day of week. in In the mornings, when you wake up, how can you seek first the kingdom of God? I would encourage you to do this. When this goes off in the morning to wake you up, hit off and then seek him. Don't grab your phone, don't check notifications. Say, God, I wanna seek you first. I wanna pray to you, I wanna worship you this morning. I'm gonna seek you first. I'm gonna seek you first by going to church. But did you know you have to seek him first in, the mount- in every season of your life? You may be on a mountaintop and you're like, oh, I'll seek you first, Lord. But what happens when you're in the valley and he feels so far away, do you still seek him first? So here's what I'm gonna do. I wanna, I wanna close in prayer this morning. So I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes and just bow your heads for a moment. Here's the question I want you to answer. Who's on first base? Who's on first base in your heart this morning? Again, this isn't compulsion. If you're here and you're like, what are you gonna do with all this food? I couldn't have done the illustration without your generosity. It's about $200 in produce. But I want you to know we're not keeping any of it. So on Thursday, Pastor Rusty, our campus pastor at Rosemary Community Dinner, is gonna take all this and we're gonna be generous and we're gonna give it away. 
We're gonna give it away because the needs in East Akron are different than they are here in Wadsworth. It broke my heart, I'll be honest. It broke my heart a little bit when I unpacked it all this morning because I kept the Walmart bags and I left him in my office and it broke my heart because here's the reason why. We take those and we recycle them, but, but we had to keep them because we know the people that we give these to, on, they may not have a bag to put them in. And so they're gonna, they need something to carry these groceries to as they walk back to their house, not drive. And so your generosity, again, look at it. Your generosity provided a way for us to be able to purchase and to be able to give, so thank you. But if you're here this morning, you're saying, who's on first? In the throne room of my heart, does God have that position? And maybe you're here this morning and I'm, I just want you to know, this, it's not about money, it's about your heart. Maybe you've never, you've never given your life to Jesus. He, he can't take that space because you're not allowing him to take that space. So before we can ever go, God, I want you to be first. You, we literally have to say, God, I, I need you to come into my life. I want a relationship with you. I want to honor you with my life. I want you to be my priority. I want you to be first. So if you're watching online, you're in the room this morning, you'd say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need him to be first. With no one looking around, it's a private moment between you and the Lord. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Thank you. Thank you. So Jesus, we don't want an idol. We don't want a sports team. We don't want a game to be the idol of our heart. We want you to sit in that position of first in our life. We don't want anything or anyone to come between us and you. So God, this morning for every hand and every heart that's open to receive you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that today is a transformational day where they, they, where they allow you to come in. You're at the door knocking and today they're opening up the door. And so God, would you come on in as we call upon your name? Your word says that, that those who call upon the name of the Lord are saved. And so God, we call upon your name, the name that we've already sung about, that is above all names, the name that is higher, that is greater, that is wiser, that is, that is, that is stronger. So God, we call upon that name to sit in first position in our heart. And Jesus, I pray that you'd help us pray that you'd help us to be able to look at your word for what it says. And God, if this is going to be a test for us, I pray that you would put it on our hearts, that we would, we would reach out and we would test you because we know your promises, that you will open the floodgates, that you will bless. So Lord, thank you that you use us to be kingdom builders. Thank you that you use us to have an impact in our lives, others' lives, and all over the world. Thank you for using our generosity to change the world. In Jesus' name, amen.